And if you can't work out what you're going to stop being accountable for, then you're never going to work out what you're going to stop doing. So, you know, there's a difference between what you're accountable for, what you're on the hook for, and the activity that you do that supports that. And you need to figure out both of those things, but in that order. Welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. With this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program, I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support to continue to progress your career whilst enjoying young children. If you do want to get involved in our work, then head to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletters to sign up. And also, just to let you know that we have a vacancy at the moment, should you want to work for us a partnership development and program manager role. Today's conversation is with Laura Harrison, who you can listen to in one of the earlier episodes in this podcast. Laura has been an absolute inspiration to me since I've been setting up Leaders Plus. She's been instrumental in feedback and offering advice, but also she is a human being, a decent human being, which is an extremely important qualification, and two, who has been a very senior leader in the HR world and who's obviously now spending all her energy trying to drive change in organizations with the human change agency. So I'm extremely grateful to her to give us some time um, as she talks us through how to cope with that challenge of working part-time but somehow still ending up doing a full-time role. Uh, she has some unique insights and I found the conversation with her absolutely enlightening. I hope you do too. Welcome back to the podcast, Laura. Really nice to chat to you again. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself, who you are, what you do, and who is in your family? Hi, Verena, and thanks for having me back. It's a great pleasure. So I am an independent consultant and the co-founder of something called the Human Change Agency, which is an organization, hopefully, that is as it sounds, a consultancy that helps organizations to grow and change but in in our practice of that consultancy have a very strong focus on people so you know it's working with people that changes organizations not just working with tech or, or processes and I've been doing that I think probably for about two and a half years now and prior to that I was the strategy director of CIPD which is an organization that kind of sets standards in world world of work stuff and has a large um, membership of HR people. Um, I've been an HR director, I've worked in the big consulting firms. And much more importantly than all of that, in my family, I have my husband, Praf, who I am sharing my home office space with at the moment, which is just marvellous. And also two teens, so a son, Sonny, who's nearly 18, a daughter, Rosie, who is 14. So they're quite grown up now compared to a lot of your listeners, I expect. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously there's an earlier podcast, which we did earlier in the series. But the reason why Laura and I keep chatting, I think, is because we both like to think big and we both like to drive change. And Laura was one of the very first people who said, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. When I said, well, why don't we do a career development program focused on senior leadership for people with babies and young children? And I sat I think I was breastfeeding my child in your office and you were like, yeah, great idea. So that's the sort of person you are. But I had a conversation with you the other day, actually a few weeks ago, about key question that seems to be coming back to me. So 
with the fellows we talk a lot in those small groups and one thing that seems to be coming up again and again is this issue of people going down holding down very senior roles but going down from let's say five days a week to three days a week or four days a week and then just there being massive workload issues and you mentioned things to me like job design which i have no idea what it is and um apparently there are things that we can do and obviously as an hr director i presume you would have had been at the receiving end of some of those conversations so so yeah so i just wanted to explore this a bit with you why don't we start with you sharing what do you think is the reason that so many people end up working really long hours when they go down part-time from full-time roles so i mean look there are going to be a number of things at play on the there are going to be the pressures that people feel to kind of you know perform their presence when when they're when they've gone down to part time and there are going to be the kind of pressures that we feel to to show up well to be a good role model for other women who might want to do the same so there there are all of those kind of pressures that i think we can talk about but there's also i think quite a practical point which is that and any HR directors or heads of HR who, who are listening to this podcast, please don't take offence when I say this, but I'm not sure that thinking analytically about jobs and how to carve them up for part-time working is necessarily something that HR has put a lot of muscle into over the last however many years. It becomes the job of the person who wants to work part-time to figure out how their job is going to be done part-time. But there are very different kinds of jobs, right? Um, and I suppose this is slightly what I was meaning by job design. So there are jobs where the expectations are very clear in terms of, if you like, output or outcome metrics. So let's say you work in sales and your job was to sell 5,000 of something in a week. If you go down to four days a week, it might be quite easy to calculate what the expectation is of you in terms of four-day-a-week work. If you work in a law firm and you're, you're judged on your billings or on your utilisation, perhaps the same. If you work in the health service and you're judged on your job plan, again, you might be able to look at the number of procedures that you're required to do or the number of clinics, and it lends itself quite easily to carving up. Now, I'm not saying it lends itself to doing easily because that then we come back to all the other issues that I spoke about at the beginning in terms of you know the way that you show up and your the pressures that you're putting on yourself but in terms of what the part-time job is that that's something that works quite well but then of course there are other types of jobs so there are and I imagine that some of these will be being done by your fellows so there are kind of functional leadership roles so you know head of finance or head of marketing or senior marketing manager where the job itself contains you know quite a big portfolio of stuff that doesn't lend itself to being carved up in quite the same way you know so if your accountabilities are to do with growing and developing the team to do with ensuring that there is there are satisfied customers or satisfied stakeholders, you know, internal or external stakeholders, whatever the functional area is, that's not so easy to just chop up into three, four or five days, right? So I think that, that there's some thinking that needs to happen. And also, I suppose, the third type. So if we say we've got those kind of easily carvable up jobs, we've got the very hard to carve up jobs, you know, the more sort of functional leadership ones, for example. And then there's probably something in the middle, which, are, which is more kind of project driven jobs. So, you know, there is a certain project that you're committed to, whether it's for three months or six months or a year, which probably medium lends itself to being carved up because 
unless you're the overall project leader, you can probably look at, well, normally I might have worked on two work streams or led two work streams, but now I'm only going to do one, but I'm going to be a contributor on another one, for example. So that kind of thinking as part of your submission or your request to work part time, I think is really important. And I think I'm not sure that we necessarily look at it in that analytical way. And I'm not sure that HR really helps you with that. So I think what happens, particularly with those those sort of, you know, functional jobs, as I said, sort of senior marketing manager or whatever, is that you say, oh, yes, 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 I'm going to go down to four days a week, but you don't really think, what am I going to stop being accountable for? And if you can't work out what you're going to stop being accountable for, then you're never going to work out what you're going to stop doing. So, you know, there's a difference between what you're accountable for, what you're on the hook for, and the activity that you do that supports that. And you need to figure out both of those things, but in that order. You can't just think about it as activity and stuff and trying to get rid of some of it if you're still accountable for all of it, right? So start off with figuring out, am I going to be accountable for all of this still? In which case, how is that going to get done? Because I can't do all of it now because I'm in the office less or I'm, we're all in the office less at the moment. I'm at work less. So I think it's a mixture of that more sort of, in summary, to answer your question after talking for about 25 minutes, I think it's a mixture of the, the pressures that we put on ourselves to be so good, such exemplars, such role models, to not put a foot wrong, because, you know, we're doing this under license, right? Someone has really kindly let us do this, which is a mindset I'd suggest that needs switching, right? We need to be a bit kinder to ourselves. And then it's also a function of, although a lot of thought might have gone into the business case or the submission to work part-time, I'm not sure it's as realistic or as as analytical as it could be about the nature of the accountabilities and the activity that support those accountabilities what do you think Verena? No I think it's actually really interesting I haven't looked at in that from that perspective and I think that accountability piece really seems intuitively the right point to start because very often we're looking at tasks. I mean this is a kind of pet peeve of mine that sometimes, you know, working with clients on organization design things or, or so on, that people will often describe their jobs. And this is how we think about our organizations, right? We think about the stuff we do. So, you know, ooh, what does so-and-so do in the comms team? Oh, they send 42 emails a week to, you know, 420,000 people and they write the newsletter and they do this and they do that. And all of that stuff flows through into their, into their job description. So their job description is defined in terms of activity. And that's not really great practice. You want it defined in terms of accountability. So, you know, to ensure that high quality communications in line with our communication strategy hit target audiences in, you know, whatever. So it's a much more that rather than the activity. Because that, that, you know, A, that's good job design, but B, it enables you to think about what you're on the hook for and then give you some freedom as to how that is delivered, which is the task bit or the activity bit. So if someone has a role that is spreading across a number of things, so let's say head of finance, like you say, where you can't just carve it up based on project, you are accountable for the financial sustainability of that organisation. How, once you've decided you want to go down from let's say five days to three days, what should be your steps in order to make it feasible, make it work? It needs to be approached from at least a couple of angles. Another one might come up as we're talking. So so I'd say the first one is get your own internal mindset in order about this. So 
are you approaching this open to the idea that by going from five days a week to three days a week, you're going to have to let go of some things? And that's an amazing opportunity, right? Because it gives your team an opportunity to grow and develop. It potentially gives an opportunity for other people to do work with the organization, you know, contractors, freelancers, whatever. You know, you're creating a gap and feel really comfortable about that gap, you know, and, and then think about how you're going to fill it. Because the worst thing that you can do to yourself and to your team, actually, they'll end up wanting to kill you, is by saying, I'm going to go from five days a week to three days a week, but I'm not really willing to let go of anything. You are going to have to acknowledge that you're creating a gap and you have to be really happy about how you plan to fill it. You have to feel enthusiastic about that. Because if you don't, you won't move towards it in a positive way. You'll try and protect everything, the whole space. So there's that kind of side of it. And then the other side of it, particularly as our imaginary person is the head of finance, and I think this gets forgotten all the time, is you freed up 40% of your salary budget, right? If you've gone from a five-day week to a three-day week. So think really smartly about how you're going to spend that before it disappears into the wider organizational pot. I think this happens a lot, particularly people who go down to four days a week, that that extra day of pay, which if you thought about what could this fund in terms of promoting someone to take on a bit more responsibility or what could this fund for some coaching for me to help me get through being successful in this period and if it's three days a week then that's you know that's an even more freeing up of cash so make sure you don't lose that cash and think about how you can use it to ensure that this is successful not just for you but because you are conscientious to the other women and possibly men in your organization who want to work part time. So I think that's a better exercise of the, of the kind of need to be a role model, you know, to think about it that way than, than to be, you know, the sort of super perfect woman who, you know, I think a little bit of us, and maybe this is just me, so, you know, putting this out there, a little bit of us wants people to go, oh my God, I've no idea how you do that in three days. It's almost like five days work. And, and you kind of want to go, yeah, yeah, I know. God, I'm just amazing. But actually, you've got to reject that version of yourself. You've got to go, no, I'm, I'm creating a gap and I'm going to think carefully about how I fill it, but I'm going to hold that gap. I'm not going to swoop into it. You know, when stuff happens that I don't like because I'm not doing it and I, you know, I used to do it. So that's annoying. So, yeah, I think, I think those are the things I'd think about. Am I allowed to say one more thing? I'm kind of obsessed with solidarity at work, right? Particularly amongst women, but I know this isn't just for women, but, and, it, it seems to me that we've had a lot of data for a long time about part-time working. So it's, you know, the stats have been produced. We kind of understand the prevalence, but it isn't really breaking through in terms of working for all parties. For sure, it works well for organizations who are paying 60% of salary to get 100% of output, but that's not really the point. So evidence informs our practice, but so does experience. And, I, and I'm not sure that there's enough of women and men who work part-time in organizations really coming together and thinking about their experiences and advising HR and advising the organization how to do this better. You know, I, I think everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people approach it in a fairly atomized way. This is my challenge. But look at the data. It's actually a really, really common challenge. So get together with everybody and use you know your own experiences to tell your organization which will be different in all you know all organizations are a little bit different help me make this successful so don't forget about that bit you're not by yourself you know the data shows that really clearly mm. that's so powerful and I'm just thinking obviously we have this network of sorry listeners if this is not relevant for you but we do have this network of fellows that we could use you know I'm sure if we had a specific ask and said, this is what we want to do or create, 
within a week or two we could pull something together like what what if anything would be really useful if we wanted to drive change what do you think yeah exactly so you could say you know i mean i know that you've got some very big organizations in your in your fellowship i think some nhs trusts i think i don't know some of the big banks some public sector organizations and so on so the one person who's trying to go part-time now because they happen to be on your program at the moment is not going to be the one person in that organization who's got that challenge so if you were to say let's pool our experience and come up with what in this bank you know in head office what we've learned from trying to work part-time and what therefore we would like from you as an organization because so much of that I think is informed by you know there is very good data out there but why not also inform it by the collective experience of the women and men in that organization so yeah I would say go for it yeah exactly and I think now we have four cohorts we probably have for a number of organizations we have enough people to to bring together actually for that's such a good idea idea. i love it so yeah and i think the other point that you made is about that guilt and that oh my goodness i'm so grateful and we feel guilty for one asking for part-time work for a senior role and two grateful for being granted part-time in a senior role so but that we have to just drop that so how Well, I suppose it depends a little bit on how you're wired as an individual, isn't it? So if you're a very data rational person, then look at the evidence, you know, look up the Pareto analysis or something, look up the 80-20 rule and remind yourself that it's not that residual 20% of effort from you that makes a difference, right? So if if that's the way that you're wired, then work with the data. If you're very emotionally connected to your team and and you feel that they need you and that's what's holding you in the office you have to challenge that because you know you you've got you've got your family as well and your team need to learn to stand without you because you know it's work and they might leave and you might leave you know so so challenge yourself on that and if it's that dreadful awful feeling that you know you just have to show that you're always there you know I have to be on my emails I have to be the first or the second to reply to the really annoying round robin email at 8 p.m at night you know and and if you don't that you have that very deep you know I mean it's it's not about sort of getting therapeutic on a podcast but I think you have to look at that and just sort of say goodness me and I've been through this in my life trust me I'm not speaking as someone who's always lived their life in some perfectly time-managed way not at all I've tried all the different versions of part-time this that and the other but you you have to sort of say you know what is the cost of this to me that I'm trying to show up maybe the same way as I tried to show up very diligently and conscientiously at school actually I'm going to look around me at most of the men in this organization who are working part-time because most of the time they're just standing in the corridors talking about how important they are Um, but they're getting paid full-time wages and they're not worried about all these things that I'm worried about so come on you know so I think you have to kind of reflect on what's the root cause for you and what's going to be persuasive to you but you you have to do that work I think it's just so important otherwise you will go mad and burnout is real we know that absolutely and it's we have to be real about the consequence of of not doing it. And just on the the other thing that seems to come up a lot is there there are some leaders who are on our fellowship program who used to work five days and then go down to four days, and nothing really changes. And then they end up working five days, working evenings, weekends, and being paid for. What what's your view on that? Well, number one, I go back to this point of get hold of that money. 
So if you've given up 20% of your salary, if that maths is right, yeah, if you've given up 20% of your salary, where's that money going? And make sure that you're spending on something that is enabling you to better work part-time. So whether it's one day a week of a consultant to come in and do some stuff or one day a week of a contractor to do something or some coaching or, you know, growing or promoting a member of your team, you know, don't lose that money. I know that sounds, you know, a bit sort of tangential but I think it's really important I think go back to what we talked about at the beginning Verena which is have you looked at your job analytically and decided and and sadly I don't think anyone else will do this for you I mean this is I would like to think this is where HR would come into their own but in in my experience which obviously isn't you know the hugest in the world that isn't necessarily the case and think well hold on a minute I took away 20% of the money so have I taken away 20% of the accountability and have I taken away 20% of the tasks associated with you know whatever that accountability was and if the answer is no then that's sort of you know it's one of those it's it's not you it's me boyfriend type scenarios it kind of is you because you need to get on top of that then we're back into this what else is is driving the behavior and the other thing I would say is encourage more people to work part-time because if you're in a team where you know management team where three out of the five or three out of the six are working part-time suddenly Fridays it, it becomes a lot harder to for, for the organization to get hold of that time but it isn't easy and, and I, I think if you can afford to do it it's worth trying to do three days and grow up from that because you at least to go down to three days is quite dramatic and you have to make some real changes to your role but I think to go down to four days my concern often for people is they miss out that step and they do just of, of you know what can I take out and instead they just try and cram it all in and that's just unbelievably stressful because most jobs are designed they're too big anyway you know most people are working I can't remember what the data is now but 45 50 hours a week so you know don't do that to yourself it's my plea very true and I think there's also something about making a an explicit and potentially even a formal conversation with your manager saying this is what the role will look like. This is my proposal for how it's going to change rather than just slipping in to, oh yeah, I'm just going to work a little bit less. I'll get involved in a few less projects. Oh, absolutely. I think that's very the very frustrating bit about all the business cases or submissions that people make to you know do part-time working is it seems to me that the main body of that conversation should be about precisely this. How is the job changing to make it doable within four days a week? And by the way, to price it in the market at 20% less, right? So what's changing? But instead, I think often it ends up being around the peripheries, you know, the hours or what time you're going to come in or what will you do in the exceptional circumstance when your childcare falls through or when they decide to have a meet away day or a retreat on your off day. You know, all of that stuff around the peripheries is probably important but it's not as important as that proper analytical look at your job, your accountabilities, and as I say, the activities that underpin that. I feel like that bit gets lost and that's just really important. And also the bit about the money, that's the other bit that I think people tend to think, oh, well, that's their budget now. Well, I wouldn't stand for that. I would say, no, I'm going to spend it on something that makes this successful. And unfortunately, there's no one else who will be able to do that for you. You are the person who knows your job best. And that's why you have to, there's no way around it. You have to be doing this. And online managers are not experts. They really aren't. Yeah, but but maybe think about those categories. So maybe first of all, ask yourself, you know, is it is this something where it's quite easy because there is an expectation that's so clear. It's a number, you know, and we can carve that up. 
or is it project-based in which case you know think about the work streams think about the timelines or is it sort of more of a functional or a leadership role in which case you know you do have to have a tough conversation with yourself about what you're going to let go but see it as an opportunity to grow and develop others and I think you'll have a more positive sort of orientation towards it. And in my experience, people actually love taking more responsibility. And quite often, your team will have waited for you to let go of something that you really didn't want to let go. So, so it can be an opportunity. One thing that drives people nuts in an organization is when their boss sort of goes from helicopter into the weeds and helicopter into the weeds. So this is your chance to get out of the weeds and, 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 and give people an opportunity, I'm going to say to flourish now, which makes people sound like flourishing weeds. <laughs> I don't mean it that way. My metaphors got lost. Yeah, uh, very interesting. One of our fellows actually works four days a week in a public sector organization, but gets paid for five days and then just does compressed hours. And for her, that worked really, really well because she said in her job, which is very client facing, she would have, she feels that she would want to work evenings anyways. And she did work evenings before having a child. And then she's gone back, she negotiated that, but kept the same salary for compressed hours, which I think sounds like a really a really good way of doing it I think yeah getting right down into the sort of deeper side of it all most of our contracts for work are based around input which is hours but that comes from an industrial world right where the hours that you put in were usually directly correlated to the output the number of widgets that you produced now we work in a different environment where if it's innovation or changing practice or influencing relationships or whatever it's very difficult to create that link between input and output or outcome. So, you know, in a certain sense, that's a very progressive decision that her organization has made. And there are some organizations that describe themselves as results only working environments where you, you get paid, but you do, but as though it were a full-time job, it's priced in the market as it were as a full-time job. But, but there are also challenges with that. You know, it starts to hit people's buttons in terms of fairness and everything else. I mean, like all of these things, if there were easy answers, they wouldn't be around as problems anymore. But that's where I would really encourage people to, you know, work really hard with their own personal experience and use that as a basis for change. You know, team up with other people in the organization and think what could the organization have done differently to support you? Because I think a lot of organizations do want to make this stuff work it's not a sort of deficit in intention. I think it's just a deficit in execution of sensible things. <laughs> not always, but, but, but sometimes. And we don't have experts generally. Line managers aren't experts. And by the sound of it, HR directors aren't doing this sort of stuff on a day-to-day basis. So they won't be experts. Well, I just, I think, you know, that they've got so much on and the whole applying to work part-time thing has just got off on a certain foot and I don't think this was the foot it got off on. And so it's habit as well, isn't it? But, and also, I, you know, I don't want to kind of undermine the profession that I'm part of. But Sorry, I'm, I didn't mean bit... to position no, you no, as but, the but, ultimate no, betrayer bit, of HR. I, no, I'm a bit sceptical because also HR people, you know, they move around industries and organisations, so they don't necessarily always understand the work. I mean, they should, but they don't necessarily always understand the work that gets done in the organisation that well. Obviously, some do, just in case any HR people are listening. I think the other thing worthwhile mentioning is that obviously there are people who haven't done that because they were grateful, understandably so, and who are now exhausted working really long hours in a part-time role. My view is that in that situation, you need to face up to the fact that a change is needed and a transition is needed and 
go back to those questions that you've asked about what's the accountability, how are you going to able to cut the accountability down and then have an explicit conversation with your manager and any stakeholders about the shift you want to make. It has to be explicit for it to work. I think so. And and don't fall into any of these sort of traps. Well, or, you know, have another baby, take another mat leave and then reset after that. Obviously that might be an option for some people. Don't fall into any of these traps, which is, oh, I sometimes think people feel after they've had a maternity leave that they're captive of their organization they oh they let me work part-time so I have to stay here and I'd never get another part-time job and whilst you know there may be an element of truth in that I really believe in all of the women who are listening to this podcast and all of the women you come into contact with Marina because they wouldn't be even doing this if they weren't really career focused and into it and wanting to get on and develop their careers so don't don't fall into that trap without evidence you know there are a lot of organizations now that post their jobs you know because it's good practice to do so as being available for part-time working and whatever the labor market is doing you still talk to people who say we cannot find the right talent that we need to get what we need done done so there there is always space in the world for good people so don't undersell yourself and don't underestimate how attractive you might be to other employers don't let yourself feel trapped because you chose to have a baby Mm. That's such powerful advice. And we didn't mention at the beginning, but you are, thank you again for mentoring some of our fellows who are extremely lucky. And I know they're all saying how wonderful you are, obviously, unsurprisingly. And uh, yeah, I think just this bit reminder to believe in ourselves is is uh, very powerful. And, 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 you know, I guess I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of the people on your programs and these are great people. So w- whatever you do, don't don't feel as though you're not wanted or needed in exciting jobs, interesting jobs, innovative jobs. You don't have to take your foot off the accelerator, but maybe you want to drive a different car. I'm not great with these metaphors. (laughs) You're the queen of metaphors today. I love it. (laughs) I know, right? Weeds, cars, I can barely drive, but you know. Fantastic. And is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that would be relevant to people struggling with this tension between working part-time in a senior role and somehow still doing full-time jobs? Well I suppose the kind of harsh kind of slightly directive coach in me would go you have to ask yourself the boyfriend question you know is it them or is it me is it you know know, it's not you it's me so are you doing this to yourself or is it an expectation from others you know there's a different treatment if you like depending on that situation and and obviously in, on a more gentle and compassionate side be kind to yourself but also don't lose a sense of your own value I feel that so strongly with younger women as they're developing their careers you're all amazing and don't forget it and it would be a privilege to work with any of you so it's very lovely of you to say I mentioned before we started this recording that this week I ran a couple of sessions for the line managers of our fellows and it's just always so illuminating how some of the things the parents think the line managers expect of them is not what the line managers say and obviously during COVID a very common one was individuals getting up at 4am to get work done before doing a day of childcare work and then picking up in the evening again now some very very bad individuals or bad managers may have that expectation but in my experience the majority of managers who have mentioned that scenario to were completely surprised that it was happening and thought absolutely not I don't want this to happen in my organization and so just 
giving yourself permission to be honest with what is going on and what you need and coming up with that proposal of how you want to carve up your role is very important. Yes, so important. And I bring it back to this point about solidarity that, you know, this doesn't have to be your personal cross to bear. There are a lot of people who are literally standing with you in your organisation trying to work part time. And getting line managers to change their behaviour is a kind of ongoing challenge in any organisation. But one way around that, of course, is to come together as a group, make recommendations to the HR director or whoever sort of is above the line managers, which then filter back down again. And those recommendations are going to be very powerful if they come from the experience of the many rather than of, you know, sort of atomised individuals where the HR director or the chief exec or whoever it is is losing the opportunity to see the big picture but maybe you're losing the opportunity to paint that big picture to them because you're you're soldiering on head down it's your sort of personal cross to bear but that's not really true I mean we know that from the data and the prevalence of of part-time working brilliant as always an absolute fountain of knowledge and insights so are you (laughs) if people want to find out more about your work or you where can they find out more It used to be obviously sloping around the coffee shops of southwest London, having client meetings. So that's where you would find me. But now I'm eternally in my house. The website is Human Change Agency. So if you Google that, it'll come up. I'm on LinkedIn, Laura Harrison. I'm really rubbish on social media. So I think I do have a Twitter handle or whatever it's called, but I don't know what it is. (laughs) And I love being connected to Leaders Plus. It's a real privilege. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, extremely insightful. Really appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thanks, Verena. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to connect with Laura, then do head to humanchange.agency and find out more about her work there or follow her on either Twitter or on LinkedIn. And of course, the Human Change Agency is on Twitter as well, at humanchange. If you got some benefit from this podcast, I would really like your help in sharing this with more people in terms of making an impact on parents. I think sharing Laura's advice, insights and thoughts are extremely powerful. So do think of two or three people who you think could really benefit from this podcast or perhaps even a Facebook group. So yeah, if you can think of two or three people who could really benefit, then Do share this podcast with them with a personal message, perhaps via a text or a WhatsApp message. And that would be probably the most highest impact on how you can support our work here. And yeah, a massive thank you for listening and have a lovely rest of the week. See you next time.